My sexuality belonged to my parents in India, the church in America, and then I got married and belonged to my husband. None of the voices in this series are ongoing patients of Esther Perel. Each episode of Where Should We Begin is a one-time counseling session. For the purposes of maintaining confidentiality, names and some identifiable characteristics have been removed, but their voices and their stories are real. Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latinx culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. This episode of Where Should We Begin is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Get your quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. They met as teenagers at church. They married as virgins. They've been together for 10 years, two children, two professions, and they also have a decade of a miserable sexual connection. The only area of our marriage we have ever had conflict in was sex, and I hated it. It would make me miserable. I used to cry during sex, and he was miserable because he was like, I want you to enjoy it. Early this year, she said, you know what, maybe the way to fix my sexuality is to explore my sexuality apart from you. At her initiative, they opened the relationship. If this is what you need to be a full person, this is what you need to find whatever you're looking for, then go and I'll figure out how to cope with that. And unexpectedly, sexuality between the two of them has been more lustful fun, connected, and intimate. I mean, our sex life is better now than it has ever been in our marriage. Like, it is a dream come true for both of us. But not without its problems. It does come with a price. The price is the knowledge that my wife has sex with other people. So you meet at 12, you marry at... 22. 22, and you were first for each other. Yes. Yes. First everything. First 
dating, first boyfriend, first girlfriend. First person we held hands with. I mean, first everything. Mm-hmm. And with the permission of the church? No. <laughs> no, no. Um, very, very, very oppressive religious environment. And that fed and bled over into our families a little bit. My parents were very, very afraid because it, for starters, I married outside of my ethnicity and they weren't expecting that. I had some really racist family members, um, extended family members who would make a lot of comments about how African-Americans were a bad idea, more prone to divorce, more prone to leave me with a bunch of kids I didn't want. Your family background was what? Indian, yeah. Um, you know, the religious beliefs that we grew up with were you date one person, that person needs to be the person you marry. There was a whole true love's weight, purity culture um, phenomenon that, that we were very much in. And I used to stress and stress and stress about the finality of it all. Like, how do you know that you're it? But let me ask you something. The doubt about this is because you never had another, so how could you know? Mm. Or the doubt is also, um, I basically did what I knew I should. And therefore, I don't feel like I own it, as this is what oh, I totally. wanted to. Like, none of these choices ever felt like my choices. How does it apply to sexuality? Oh, my sexuality has never been mine. It wasn't until this year that I actually, and that was part of this Papa, stance. Slow down. It hasn't never felt like it was yours because? It was other people's rules, other people's definitions that shaped everything. Growing up, you know, I grew up abroad and I actually think I had pretty awesome rebellious mom who didn't want me to grow up to be what all of other women in my country are expected to be. And the expectation was? To be demure and to conduct yourself with, with um, a submissiveness in some ways. And I was never that way. I was loud <laughs> and a tomboy and very opinionated and very, very curious. And, uh, and then the church has their own much more rigid. It wasn't family that was as oppressive for me as the religion was. If I wore a tank top, which I did to youth group one time in rebellion, because I was like, why? My shoulders are going to make somebody else go to hell or somebody else sin and I'm, a, are you kidding me? And I did and, and the immediate consequences and immediate shame and immediate pushing to the margins where I realized like, um, as long as I believed in that construct, my sexuality was never mine. I remember hitting puberty and a sex drive, a libido showed up that I, it was blindsiding. Um, and nobody else around me seemed to have that problem. And so I would sneak watching, you know, erotic on late night TV. I would spend a lot of time in the shower with a, you know, a handheld shower head and just so much shame. Because, you too? 
Y- yes, not to the same level. Mm-hmm. So that, why? Um, why do you think that she can say, you know, my sexuality belonged to my Indian culture, then it belonged to the church, then it belonged to you, mm-hmm. it belongs to all these other institutions, marriage, religion, family. You get the same messages, but you don't have the same inner turmoil. I didn't get the same level of shame that she did. No one told me what to wear. Right? No one tells boys, don't wear that because you're going to tempt the girls. So no one told me you're going to corrupt her by dating her. We did have the same rules of no sex before marriage. You do need to date the person you intend to marry. You need to marry the person you intend to date. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Took me a moment. <laughs> This conversation really highlights the complexity of the power dynamic around sexuality. On the one hand, women are the mere deferential submissive. They have no say. They have to cater to the man. On the other hand, they have the power to corrupt, the power to seduce, to tempt. By their sheer appearance, they will deflect him from his more honorable pursuits. And this two-sidedness of femininity, the virtuous and the vixen, is really what is being told here by these two people. They spend the same 10 years in the same religious school. And each one had their shaming, but it's a different imprint. I used to beg him, I'm like, let's just have sex. Like, what the heck is going to happen? But that ardor, that intensity of desire that you had when it wasn't allowed, did it come with you when you got married? Well, so what I spent... Happened? four or five years that we were dating, trying to shut it off and doing everything I could to shut it off. And it worked. And I never recovered that. I became really angry, I think, deep, deep, deep down. And it kind of got layered over. The anger said what? Sorry. It's okay. How could it not? Oh, God, okay. I, I just hated being alive. It felt like, like life was just this uphill, never-ending struggle. And the only way to survive it and to not have it get worse was to be anything but myself. I think my whole personality was just antithetical in some ways to the way I should be if I wanted to be happy. And the sexuality, I think, was a bigger part of it than I realized. And then we did get married, and to flip that switch, oh my God, it was impossible. It was impossible to go from, you know, um, almost 10 years, if we look at when puberty first hit, to 
10 years later going, oh yeah, now I want it all the time. I didn't. And everything about sex was scary and overwhelming. It was, we actually saw a therapist because I was like, is there something physically wrong with me? Because I can't tell the difference between pleasure and pain. In what sense? There were times where if he was touching me or kissing me, the, the sensation on my skin felt too much, felt overwhelming and felt jarring. And I couldn't figure out why. It fed this, this frustration that I felt like just kept building up and would show up in other ways. Can I ask you something? How did the anger hmm. show up? And the nice man I here know. became the, the recipient punching bag. of something. Totally, totally. You, you know that, right? No. I, I knew, I know, she was angry, was, is angry. You were not puzzled by her lack of interest, lack of response? No, it, I was affected by her okay. lack of interest, lack of response. I mean, I'm, I'm happy you have good denial, <laughs> but there's a limit. <laughs> I don't think she was angry at me. No, she wasn't angry at you. She was angry, period, yes. at, at all the repressive systems that she had to face, but you were the recipient of it. Yes. Okay, yes. Mm. Yeah, and I, I mean, and the anger was, it was so hard to nail down. I was angry at the sexuality and my own identity within that. I was angry at the financial consequences of just the life we had. I mean, we were... Yeah, not only are we yeah. kind of first generation successful marriage and family, but we're first generation Education. college first gen graduates. We have a lot so much. of yeah. school debt. But right now, you have the debts. Yes. You have the degrees. We do. We have my parents. You have your parents. You have your children. Yes. And you have tremendous strengths. You have tremendous resources and strengths. And you have each other. I know. I know. It, this life Take would not be first. possible without him mm -hmm. by my side. There's no way. You taking this in? I love you. You okay? I love you. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't get emotional very often. Just take it in. Because in the last month she's been talking so much about other men that you don't even know enough about how important, special, and an anchor you are in her life. It's gotten a little lost. She couldn't even begin the explorations that she's on, mm -hmm. if this wasn't an established, stable, safe harbor. She said that. She said that a lot. Part of me, when I hear that, feels like, thanks for the last decade, thanks for the past, that's a past. 
Newman are in my future. I'm going off on my own now. So I know it is valuable. A part of me feels like it's a past and it's done. Even though she comes back to the relationship and to you and brings and shares with you mm. what she is learning and discovering. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's good also. But that doesn't eliminate the other feeling. Mm -hmm. I get it. I guess there's a lot of questions that come with it. Is it, do you need me to watch the kids while you go oh with the other guys? Are you appreciative that we have this 10 years foundation and now we have a house and kids and now you can go play with the other guys? Mm. So you wonder if you're a convenience? Yes. Am I here to be stability for you while you go have fun elsewhere? So one of the things we talked about before any of this started was the, the boundaries and the, the, the kind of the regular, how do we regulate what rule these other relationships? Mm -mm, mm -mm. Mm. Wait a second. Stay with him for a moment. Mm. Instead of wanting to fix it, that's hard. <laughs> Well, interestingly, because you come with such an institutional background, you answer in institutional terms. Even the way you just walked in, you know, you came and you say, there is India, then there is the church, then there is marriage, and now there is polyamory. It's just the next institution. And I am not sure that is very helpful. Yeah. Sometimes it's better not to name the framework so that people can actually explore without the repercussions of heavily loaded terms, monogamous, polyamorous. In this instance for this couple, these two words have become so antagonistic that they feel that their relationship may vanish because of it. These two people have no desire to split up, but they need to find a way to experience freedom that isn't hurtful to the other and acceptance that isn't a betrayal of oneself. And you can tell that this in itself is new for them. And so he's writing away furiously, uh, trying to capture the words that I myself am only sketching as I try to make sense of their dilemma. Instead of talking about sexuality and what has happened to sexuality for you and in your marriage and with each other, etc., we're busy talking about a transition from monogamy to polyamory, from one institution to another. And for somebody who has been fighting institutions, you are damn loyal to them. <laughs> the fact that there may be elements of that doesn't mean that you have to start to think in this either-or fashion mm. that creates a kind of a binary between the two of you 
you know, one person's happiness is the other person's misery. Yeah. One person's exploration is the other person's commodification. He becomes the caretaker, the parent, the useful guy. The other ones are the funny guys, the ones with whom you have meaningful, transformative experiences. You're going like this with your head the whole time. Which one of those words is the ones that... The meaningful, transformative experiences. Right. right. Every relationship has to straddle security and adventure. Right? Fun and stability. Familiarity and exploration. And what I'm hearing you say is, it sucks to know that I become stability and reliability and the anchor, but the waves are somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I want to ride the waves with her too. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to enter the labyrinth together mm -hmm. without naming, without labeling anything, just simply make sense of what's happened and then we'll see if there are tags that we need to put mm. on this or not. Love that. Hmm? What has been the sexual relationship between the two of you? So as soon as we got married, yeah. we'd been following all the rules and not mm. having sex. Right. But you were drawn to each other, mm -hmm. petting all the time, kissing all the time, <laughs> you know, playing at the borders, yes. loving yes. the ambiguity of it all, yes. so excited and frustrated. Yes. What else? The notion that one hasn't had sex because one hasn't had intercourse is an outdated notion that no longer reflects and maybe never reflected how we behave, how we feel toward each other, the erotic energy that two people can share in the midst of the denial of the act. What switches afterwards is that they have the permission for the act of intercourse and the sexuality becomes narrowed down to the act and the energy vanishes. Being sexual is more than just having the act of intercourse in sex. We have got to broaden the definition. When we would talk about like what the heck should sex be, can you just tell me what it should be? Because if you ask me, I don't need it. I could go the rest of my life without it and it'd be fine. Um, so since, we, since we're here, we're married, we must have sex. What is sex to you? What is good sex to you? And he would always say the thing that you want guys to say, which is, I, wanted to, I, want, I want you to feel pleasure. I want to know that I can pleasure you. And it would stress me out so bad. Because like, I don't even know what that means. I have no idea what that means. I remember something he always wanted was to go down on me. And it was traumatizing. And now? Now I love it. <laughs> now I love it. He's a fantastic lover. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> Would you like me to shake your hands? <laughs> Congratulations. Oh my God. He really is amazing. Yeah. And the same behaviors, the same touch that felt so violating yes. feels intensely pleasurable. Yes. That should tell you something. You know, to me that is so powerful. 
because in some interesting way, what it speaks to is that it is not about the sexual activity, behavior, touch itself, since the same movements yep. of him, the same touches of him mm. that felt so violating is now such an intense source of pleasure. The sex is not the issue. Yeah. yeah the context the of the sex is the issue. The meaning you gave it has fundamentally changed. What I'm imagining, when I felt that this is something I have to do because I'm your freaking wife, mm. because now it's part of the should, because it's still part of that institution that imposes it on me. I experienced the whole thing as a violation, as an oppression, but now that I consider myself an emancipated, free, autonomous, sexually liberated woman who went and explored her own sexuality elsewhere and I feel like I own it, you can do all of this to me and oh I love it. Oh my God. I don't think I've processed I knew this the second part. At all. I didn't get the first part. What made you come up with the idea mm. of exploring elsewhere? It had always been in the back of my mind. Right. Um, what happened was I got off birth control. And um, I got off birth control because I was trying to find any, any solution to help alleviate depression and anxiety. And oh my goodness, the physical libido came back. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't control it. It felt like going back to being 14 years old. It started with just going, I, letting myself go back to, I wonder what it would be like to kiss other people. What's interesting about the thoughts may not just be the particular nature of those thoughts, mm. but it's the fact that you allowed yourself to have thoughts okay. that were themselves the expression of finally owning your sexuality okay. yep. piece by piece. If you own it, oh my then you're not just experiencing it as a subjugation and a submission, which I think was your first sentence when you walked in. Yes. This is as much a conversation about sex and sexuality as it is a conversation about power. Say more over there. Ownership is a power. It's a redistribution of the power. By the way, he never had a sense that he owned it and it was right, his power. This right. is your shtick. Right. It's really clear. Completely true. You did nothing. This had nothing to do with you. And in her case, freedom is generally in the territory of the forbidden. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh -huh. What's free about doing what you're allowed? Correct. <laughs> When I wrote Mating in Captivity, there were a number of questions that guided my entire exploration on the nature of erotic desire in long-term relationships. And one was, why is the forbidden so erotic? It's not just because it's forbidden and transgressive and therefore it becomes alluring. It's that in the forbidden lies the freedom and the autonomy. Support for Where Should We Begin comes from Shopify. Not all businesses are the same, and businesses need different things at different stages. Shopify is the global commerce platform flexible enough to help your business sell at every stage of growth. 
Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify can help you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, Shopify offers the flexibility to support your operations no matter where you're selling. Right now, it's easier to stress less and sell more with Shopify Magic, an AI-powered helper created to give you a little boost. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., along with millions of other businesses across 175 different countries. Try it for yourself and see why companies like Allbirds and Brooklinen have used the platform to power their growth. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ester. Go to shopify.com slash ester now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ester. Support for Where Should We Begin comes from Masterclass. Your mind deserves as much care and attention as your work or your relationships. But many of us neglect to care for our intellectual well-being. Learning a new skill is a great way to nourish your mind, and Masterclass makes it easy to study with genius-level instructors from every industry. A Masterclass subscription unlocks an entire world of possibility with unlimited one-on-one classes that you can access at home or on the go. Masterclass offers more than 200 different courses taught by world-class instructors like Ron Howard and Lewis Hamilton. You'll also find a class that I taught about relational intelligence. My course combines a conceptual framework with practical skills to strengthen your relationships by focusing on communication, conflict resolution, and empathic listening. We all live in relationships, and so this is suited for all of us lifelong learners. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash begin. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash begin. Masterclass.com slash begin. Support for Where Should We Begin comes from Progressive. Most of us are listening to the podcast and multitasking. You may be driving, shopping, exercising, taking a walk. But if you're not in some kind of moving vehicle, there's something else that you can do right now, which is to get a quote from Progressive Insurance. It's easy and you can save money by doing it right from your phone. Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers can qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Get a quote for your car insurance at Progressive.com to join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Here's the thing. If she comes home, this newfound woman, and brings all this energy to you, that tells me that the problem wasn't you or her connection or disconnection or lack of attraction for you, but the way she was trapped inside. Otherwise, people don't come back to their partner with it. They are confirmed that indeed there's something that they lack vis-a-vis their partner that they can experience elsewhere. How do you know she won't with her next partner? Oh, that's better than you. There are some ways in that 
I already feel replaced.、Mm. Texting. Oh my god! I swear to God. So you can say, "I don't want to replace you. You're still my best friend." However, when we are together, the first thing you do when you wake up, the last thing you do when you go to bed, is check your text messages. A lot of time when we have family time, one time during sex. What? One time while I was putting on the condom, check the text message. And so, it is not only in my head that attention is being taken away from me and applied to other people. But what I've told him is after about him. What was that? Don't bat him. Oh, because you knew at this, and he may be onto something. True. There's real learning here. There's jealousy. Oh, interesting. There's competition. There is ne- needing reassurance. There is you needing to make more effort towards showing how much he is important, rather、oh, than、okay. spend your time in hel- asking him to adapt to the importance of others. Okay. He's stretching far and beyond. Yes. If he says, you know, where you're texting others, this comes from that place、mm. that now says, you know, I used to know that I'm the only one and number one. Now, you tell me I am still number one. I'm certainly am not the only one, but I don't always feel enough number one. I feel at a bit of a loss on. How to help? The first thing would be to switch the narrative from the discovery of my polyamorous side to I'm just so happy I found a way back to us.、Oh. Instead of putting the emphasis on what you found elsewhere, it's it's what elsewhere has allowed you to actually experience with、mm. him. Who doesn't want to come back to the place that gives you security and freedom at the same time? If I went, okay, listen, sex isn't working between us. I'm gonna go look for someone that makes me happy,、mm-hmm. that makes me feel more like a man.、Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that choice increase the chances of breaking up the marriage? That's kind of what this feels like. I'm gonna go look for some one, some an experience that makes me feel more like a woman. But I'm not looking for something because you didn't fill it. It's not like I'm going, oh yeah, I want I want someone who does X Y Z because you don't. So you're not looking for someone that does X Y Z. What if、right. you find someone? My heart is completely in. I don't want anything compromising us. But what I need you to do is to trust that it's not freedom without you. The freedom isn't to leave you and pursue others; it's to hold your hand while I get to experience more. Say that again. The freedom isn't about leaving you behind and running away. The freedom is about doing this with you. I still want to be tethered to you. And sometimes that means running around and enjoying 
new experiences, and sometimes you can come with me, sometimes you may not want to, but at the end of the day, I'm still connected to you. But I do get to this room to be able to explore. I don't know if that helps out. <laughs> that helps. What helped? Um, what she made you repeat. The freedom. You're not running away. You're trying to hold my hand and explore. Mm -hmm. The exploring still hurts. Mm -hmm. It feels like I'm a horse in the stable. And she comes along and says, hey, I want to come ride you now. Great, I love being ridden, let's go. Okay, thanks for the ride. Go have fun riding the next horse. And the next day is another horse, and the next day another horse, and... How often does it happen that there's so much the next day? Up to twice a week was our agreement. And how often does it happen? I don't know, I don't count. Twice a month. Yeah, twice a month. So it's, okay, not tomorrow, but used to be I was the horse. You were my horse, I'm your horse. Yay, we love each other, we're horses. Yes, but when you were the horse, she didn't ride you often. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what she said. What she asked me one time, is it worth it? We, we have better sex. We have more sex. We have better sex. Unquestionably. Are you more connected? Not just... What, what do we mean here when we say better sex? Mm. What's better in your mind? It's more passionate. It's more intimate. There's more freedom. Okay. She's into it. Mm -hmm. It's not a duty. Mm -hmm. Everything I imagined sex to be, the church says no sex till marriage, and in, in my head it was, okay, as soon as we get married, we're gonna have awesome sex. And everything that I imagined the awesome sex to be is here in our sex life. And so she asks me all the time, is it worth it? is me going out with others. That's a terrible question. Mm. I told I'm her... sorry. No, that's okay. That's <laughs> so terrible. what would I replace it with? You are constantly trying to justify what you're doing. Yes. If you do that, then you're not free. The best you tell him, I'm so pleased by what's happening between us. You, the difference in the models is that when you were the only one, the model was based on exclusiveness. Yes. And exclusiveness is everything that cannot happen elsewhere that is unique to us. What you're switching to now is a model that is based on specialness. You know, the exclusiveness doesn't tell you anything about the quality oh, of the interaction. Good. It just create. It just emphasizes the boundary. Well, that's what I. I think I've said, is that there's kind of there's two different types of specialness. They're special because of ex it's exclusive. Now she is trying to convince me we're special by degrees. It's I'm not the only one. The I'm the most intimate, or I'm the most. So it's special by, by the quality degrees. of the experience. The quality, yeah. yes. 
And I understand that, but there is a sadness at the loss yeah. of the exclusive specialist yes, too. I'm one of the horses in the stable now, and maybe I'm your favorite horse, right? But I'm one of the horses. I hate this horse analogy. <laughs> like you're one of the, you're not one of the guys. Like it, it, it would be maybe one of if I had multiple lives built with multiple men and we had children together and, and plans together and dreams together. Then maybe, and how the hell somebody would manage that is beyond me. You are not one of anything. You are the only. There is no one else who has your role in my life. There is no one else who I feel about the way I feel about you. There's no one else I've committed to. No one else I've built with, fought for, fought beside. Like, there is no one else. I hate hearing the horses in a stable thing. I want you to hear that though. She's been trying to say this for a while. That doesn't mean to take away the jealousy or the fears or anything. Those feelings are normal. But you also want to hear what she just told you. Because you are trapped in a, I've lost my place and I've lost my, my exclusive yes. role and now I'm one of many and I'm interchangeable. And she's trying very hard to tell you, you are not. Here is this woman who is coming and finally freely giving herself to him. But because she got the juice somewhere else, he would rather live as a king of a desert than a prince of a fertile land. This is the trap that men are in. It feels like there's this cap on my happiness. I'm six months into a new job and my boss can give me a great review and say, I'm, I'm randomly going to give you a raise because you're doing really good work. And I get really proud of myself and think, oh, but, my, but my wife sleeps with other men. And so there's this, this cap on my happiness. I don't feel wrong, just... Demoted. Demoted and... And less of a man? Does it play itself there too? That is something I've imagined maybe other people might think in my situation. But you don't. But I don't. There's a little thought of what kind of man lets his wife do this. That's what I was thinking. And the response to that is she's not yours to own. So that thought doesn't stay, stay around. But you've also said on the same vein, um, man, we bumped heads over one statement he would say, which is, I don't like sharing you. And I'm like, I'm not yours to share. And the owners, the, and, and I've told him that I'm like, I feel like this is more the controlling. And instead of responding, I'm gonna give you different responses a little bit because it doesn't mean there's no validity to what you say, right? Just so we, uh, if you say, you know, he already said it. She doesn't belong to me, you know. Right. You're having conversations with patriarchy, you know? Yes. But you can also say, you're so generous. I thank you. I love you ever more for it rather than, you know, have another discussion with the institution. <laughs> Talk to your husband. <laughs> 
to me, this is less a story of monogamy and certainly not of polyamory, as it is the story of how did this woman go about finding a way to finally, for the first time in her life, connect in a full way with her own sexuality and come to her husband as a desiring woman. Mm. But at the same time, it does create in him, you know, old feelings. Am I a pushover? That's not a new thought. Am I kind or am I stupid? Mm -hmm. You know, that's an old question for you. And it gets evoked here, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah? I did not know this. Mm. Me neither. Huh? <laughs> what? Me neither. Me no? <laughs> Seriously? No, he's... Am I kind or am I stupid? That's I mean, a good I'm, way of I'm, putting it. What words no. do you use? Am I a pushover? That, and I would have, and it probably would have stopped there. Am I kind or am I a pushover? Am I, or am I kind or am I a weakling? Yes, I think that that's an old question, and it is evoked in this situation, understandably so. And don't squelch it. I would hate it if we try to have this conversation end just with a nice bow tie. It's mm. not. You're in the middle of something. You need to be very active, proactive, and careful so that you don't take your enthusiasm and it overrides everything. Mm. You try to listen to him and not to constantly bring it back to you because you have a hard time knowing that you are the cause of some of the feelings, so you want these feelings to not be there. They are. They're normal. They're, they're, fine. they're part of the story. And make room for it. Just don't compare yourself to a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and understand something. This is a work in progress. Like your marriage is... It may not be your destination. It may be a stop on the road. The truth is that she doesn't know. She can say it's done wonders. I don't want to leave you. It's because you hold my hand that I feel the strength to explore elsewhere. It will only bring good to us. But the truth is that she cannot promise this. So his fear is legitimate and he cannot be the only carrier of that fear. He cannot be the only person who holds the vulnerability that comes with that change. What happens when we want to convince somebody to move over to our side is that we only want to give them the mirror of all the great things that come with our choice, our decision, what we stand for. If we are able to speak about the positive and negative aspects of our choice, then it lets the other person off the hook of having to only speak about the dangers and the risks. They both need to be able to carry both sides. Esther Perel is the author of Mating in Captivity and the State of Affairs, and also the host of the podcast, How's Work? To apply with your partner for a session for the podcast, or for show notes on each episode, go to whereshouldwebegin.estherperel.com. Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel is produced by Magnificent Noise for Gimlet and Esther Perel Productions. Our production staff includes Eric Newsom, Eva Walchover, 
Destri Sibley, Hiwote Gatana, and Olivia Nat. Recorded by Noriko Akabe. Kristen Mueller is our engineer. Original music and additional production by Paul Schneider. And the executive producers of Where Should We Begin are Esther Perel and Jesse Baker. We would also like to thank Nazanin Rafsanjani, Courtney Hamilton, Lisa Schnall, Nick Oxenhorn, Dr. Guy Winch, and Jack Saul. Support for Where Should We Begin comes from Masterclass. Masterclass offers classes from over 180 world-class instructors. Frank Gehry can teach you about his unconventional approach to design and architecture. Margaret Atwood can help you develop your eye for story. Or you can take my own course. My class is about relational intelligence, how you connect with others, how you improve your communication skills, develop more empathy, build better boundaries, and find clearer resolution for conflict. Right now, you will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash begin. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash begin. Masterclass.com slash begin. This episode of Where Should We Begin is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Get your quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.